Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Massive, massive show. It's time to enter the Thursday Thunderdome. On today's show, our special guest will compete alongside my co-host, my BFF, my companion, professional sports better Simon Hunter in an epic test of wagers and wits that's quickly made this show the most celebrated tangentially sports betting related audio program since the advent of the recorded voice. Simon, before I get to our guests, how are you? Any burner cars that you're leaving in parking lots? Any bags of cash you're taking anywhere? What's going on? I could be, man. It's going to be weird, Chad, in like a couple of years, you know, I'm going to be talking to like my future wife, hopefully, and she's going to say, how'd you make all your money? And it's not going to be because of the Action Network or sports betting. It's going to be because of some meme stock and some meme <laughs> cryptocurrency, because <laughs> I'm one of those people that bought AMC all the way back in January, and I bought BlackBerry back in January. Chad, I'm flushed. Your boy oh is flushed right now. Nothing makes sense. My, you know, my greatest wish for you is to find love. You know, I'm a huge fan of love and I want you to experience that. And if it happens from this podcast, all the better. Simon, a man who needs no introduction. Your first challenger, a powerhouse in the sports world as the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment, which owns and operates the advancing Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. Let me just say this. He's got a book, a new book called Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. It's got insights and lessons from millions of people, not millions, but many, many people that he- Millions. Millions of people, influential people in business and sports, personalities, athletes, multiple NBA commissioners, award-winning filmmakers. Let me say this, before- we actually let Scott O'Neill speak after he's been spoken to because he is an incredibly admired executive in sports. I have had the pleasure of hearing him speak on panels and also moderating a panel that he's on. For anybody who aspires to go to any kind of panel who wants to be in the sports space, the sports business space, like nobody says anything on these things except for one person, Scott O'Neill, who you will walk away from a panel after listening to him speak. I've heard him speak in massive rooms and on Zooms, and he will give you something to take away that feels real and authentic. And you're like, all right, that's a guy who gets it. Scott, 
Welcome to the Thunderdome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Big Mad Max fan, for whatever it's worth. Love the Thunderdome back in the day. I appreciate those nice words. I, th- I think you, th- you guys feel this way too. I mean, we're the luckiest people in the world. I mean, to get to do what we do every day and make a living doing this, it beats a stick in the eyes, I like to say. And it certainly beats working for a living. So the fact that I, I'm not savvy enough not to leave any real nuggets on the table, that's something I'm working on. I appreciate this platform and I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's go. You are no doubt a man who is too big to be joining us for this, but we're happy to have you. Uh, <laughs> the, second, the second competitor today, not close to big enough to be on this podcast, but we're still in Let's go. Uh, senior writer, one of the best connected journalists covering the NBA today. I kid because I care. A renowned gambler of second quarter lines, also loves to play team totals. Primary nemesis of Fred Van Vliet, Mr. Matt Moore. How are you, buddy? Thanks for having me on, man. Excited to be on with you guys, even if I can only barely reach above the bar to get on this podcast. I appreciate that. Here's how we're going to play this game today, folks. Uh, Two kinds of questions will be answered. First, traditional trivia questions about sports, sports betting, the world at large. Second, completely subjective and totally asinine, open-ended questions that I alone will judge. Truth be told, I almost always root for Simon. To accumulate (laughs) points, uh, you must not only answer these trivia questions correctly, you also must convince me that your responses to these prompts are better than the responses from your opponents, specifically Simon. Part one, epic fails. Scott, you're a big time player in the sports business world. And the Wall Street Journal recently wrote about you. In their article about you, you are credited with the quote, failure is the best teacher. It's just not a fun teacher. As representatives of the sports betting community, we here at the Favorites Podcast couldn't agree more. Enormous, embarrassing failures are stitched into the very fabric of sports gambling. So let's take a look at some of the infamous failures, aka incredible teachable moments in sports history. Simon, 42 years ago, the Chicago White Sox ran a promotion in which fans could purchase discounted tickets if they dropped off specific vinyl records. Eventually, crates of the collected vinyl were blown up between games of a doubleheader in July of 1979. The ensuing fire on-field riot and game cancellation was arguably the franchise's lowest moment since it intentionally lost a World Series six decades earlier. The entire disastrous stunt led by a local rock DJ began as an organized rebellion against this 1970s music fad and i was there at that game disco you were not at that game (laughs) you weren't even alive then (laughs) you don't know what i what i've done chad it's famously documented in so many different places but of course i being from chicago uh and actually being alive for that remember it very well but what's also interesting is the bgs just had a documentary about them on on uh you know one of the services the streaming services and I didn't realize how prolific they were, but they were on tour when this happened and their tour basically collapsed after this night. Like it became the backlash against disco and what happened with the Bee Gees became so relevant. It ruined like what had been an amazing long career at the time for the Bee Gees. Barry Gibb uh, reference early is always critical in a podcast. (laughs) Listen, you're an esteemed author. I'm also an author. 
And now together as authors, we are recognizing greatness. Chad Millman wrote a book. It's sometimes difficult as authors to be on a podcast with non-authors. I mean, have you noticed that? Honestly, Scott, sometimes it's difficult as an author to be talking to anybody who hasn't done anything of equal value as writing a book. Fine. I'm not, I'm not hurt at all. It's fine. But you know what? I do what I can. I try to live sort of benevolently. Matt, after the 1999 season, the New York Mets released this former star with $5.9 million remaining on his contract. Rather than buy him out, the team negotiated a financially ridiculous deferral schedule and now pay him $1.2 million every year from 2011 to 2035. The blunder is commemorated with each annual installment and July 1st has become an unofficial holiday that bears this player's name. You started me with baseball of all things. You started me with baseball. I come on this podcast for you. I work hard for you. I've been on like 1800 action network things and you start me with baseball. By the way, that's that's so wrong. I'm not even going to throw Matt Mitchell under the bus for writing. Can I answer this one? This might be the only one I get. I will let you answer this one. And and Matt can have the next one because it's an NBA question. Bobby Bonilla Day. Bobby Bonilla Day. Come on now. That's right. That's right. I knew that. You're better than this. Matt Mitchell, I want you to give Scott an extra point for being a gracious, gracious guest. Not only does he write amazing best-selling books, but he also takes one on the chin for people he's competing against. He gets an extra point for that. Matt, here's your question. Just as Kevin Garnett was hitting his prime with the Timberwolves in the year 2000, the NBA suspended both the Minnesota GM and owner and stripped the T-Wolves of four first-round draft picks after a top-secret contract scheme was exposed centered around this player, the top pick in the 1995 draft. Joe Smith. Joe Smith. Yeah, that, that one is up there. That, that one's up there for it, it, whenever executives talk about that. Uh, the, the interesting like commentary on that is always pretty amazing. Whenever I talk to executives, this idea of like, oh, yeah, you should definitely try and get an edge in every conceivable way. Oh, no, you've gone too far. And now you've wrecked the franchise like that. That kind of commentary, I think, is always really interesting in terms of what that what that entire deal is. Like, clearly, it was a boneheaded move that they got busted on. But at the same time, talking to executives about how you have to search for every edge and how competitive pro sports is versus making those kind of mistakes and the consequences that it can lead to. I'm always fascinated to hear executives takes on that. True story. True story. I wrote the very first story ever about Kevin Garnett. I was home in Chicago. I read a story about him in the Tribune, transferring to Farragut High School, went down to Farragut, interviewed him in his coach's office, uh, was working at Sports Illustrated at the time, went back to New York, wrote the story, filed it, got a note from the managing editor at the time, said, this is an amazing story. Thank you for writing it. We're sending Jack McCallum to go write a cover story. (laughs) Wait, the can I tell you a ran. Kevin Garnett story? What's that? That, that I, have, I have a secondhand Kevin Garnett story. So he gets to Brooklyn. And you know that whole, that trade was kind of funky at that time. And, and Brooklyn was going for it. Boston was chuckling and, you know, the whole, the whole adventure. And Kevin Garnett, is, as you know, is a very intense guy. And so uh, first preseason game, he's in Brooklyn, comes in the locker room, and Darren Williams was on, a, on his phone texting. And he walks over, picks up the phone, grabs it, throws it as hard as he can against the wall, and it smashes the pieces and he's like, get your head in the game and then walks out. <laughs> I got to tell you, 
He was always amazing. He was always an amazing guy to cover. He was playing for Minnesota and I was working at the time for CNNSI, like this newfangled network. And we needed to interview him. And the T-Wolves PR wouldn't let him be interviewed before the game. So we grabbed him coming off the court after the game before going to the locker room. And we put him in a room and we interviewed him. And the Timberwolves uh, PR guys are banging on the door. And Kevin Garnett, we're in, he keeps looking at the door as if he is so angry that he's being interrupted for an interview where we weren't even supposed to be interviewing him. Uh, the intensity levels were very high. Yeah, his, his agent, Jim Smoller, is a good, good friend of mine. And she loves him, raves about him as a human being. So her words is good for me. One of, I was going uh, to joke that that when you did that story on him in high school and I was like, and that was the last time that Kevin Garnett ever willingly spoke to a journalist. Like that's so, like uh, notorious. Is that Kevin right? Garnett. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. notoriously like, I'll say this, the guys that covered him loved covering him because the, the small interactions felt so big. It's just that yeah. they were so few and far between, which is honestly, if you're going to be an NBA superstar, that's the way to do it. Yeah. All right, here we go. Part yeah. one prompt. Now that we've waded into the chilly waters of epic failures, I'll have you turn the lens to yourselves. Please give me a moment in your sports or sports betting career that resulted in abject failure. Then tell me the lesson you learned, the contestant whose lesson proves the most timeless and invaluable to our listeners will be declared the winner. I mean, Scott, this is right up the alley with your book. Simon responds first. What do you got? I... Always ate really healthy before football games. And when I was in high school, Chad Johnson became really famous. And he ate McDonald's all the time. And that's what he'd eat before football games. So I ate, I mean, $10 worth of McDonald's, which is like 30 pounds of food back then. Not that I like I cramped up, but I was getting cramps a little bit in the first quarter. And by the second quarter, I had, I don't know how to say it without sounding super gross. I took a hit and I pretty much had the runs on the field. So I'm running off the field with my legs pinched. And I was in a full sprint beeline to the, the bathrooms in the middle of the field. So that was definitely a lesson learned about eating habits before sporting events. Simon poops his pants. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm going to categorize it as that one. Uh, Matt Moore, you're up. Can you beat an embarrassing moment that teaches a lesson not to eat bad food before a sporting event? Otherwise you'll poop your pants. Simon Paul Pierce Hunter. Uh, so <laughs> Over Scott's left shoulder is a jersey of the great Moses Malone. I happened upon him in research. Like I, he was too young. Like I, he literally won MVP the year I was born and I missed out. And then I was doing an article when I was working at NBC. I was actually about Yao Ming, but I happened upon his numbers and was like, this is insane. Like these numbers are absolutely ridiculous. I was like, he couldn't have been this good. So I went like YouTube hunting and tracked and started like recording classic games on NBA TV. And I became like really infatuated and just like really fixated on Moses because he's this forgotten MVP in the history of the league. He does not get the kind of respect. And his story is so incredible as one of the, the preps to pros guys that comes out of high school and dominates in his, his career in Houston and then going to Philly and being the, the, the missing link for them. I just think that Moses was such a fascinating story. And I decided at some point after having written like four articles about him in the, like in the off season, that there was no like news reason for it. I just loved writing about Moses. I was like, I really want to write a book about it. Like nobody's written the book and I'm at an all-star game and I've, I've like thought about ideas and stuff like that. And being an author, like the two of you, great authors, including seven time author, Chad Millman, uh, not that he will ever remind you of that. It's <laughs> like the career dream for me is like, I, I very much want my dad to be able to go to a bookstore 
and Jesus Christ, and see my you've name fucking myself. written a book with this answer. What's your answer? I saw Moses Malone in an all-star game, had an opportunity to go up to him and pitch him, met him, talked to him, got gun shy and missed the opportunity. And at that point, like after, since then, and he unfortunately passed away a few years ago, I had pitched the family and they, they, they politely declined. It's the answer is you need to take your shot when it is presented to you. You have to pursue these opportunities. If you care about something, do not let those things pass you by because you will not get another chance. I mean, it's a lovely sentiment, but it took you so long to get there. Scott. Quick, quick Moses story. I know, I know this is your show, but I have a quick story. I have to share it because the Moses shout out. I get to the Sixers. We don't have a relationship with any of our alums, none of them. Okay. And so I call Bill Cunningham. I know he went by Billy, but he goes by Bill now. And I said, Bill, I need help. He's been a mentor of mine for a long time. Wonderful guy. And I said, I need help with these seven guys. He's like, sure, I'll set up. So, you know, we cleaned up a lot of the past ills. And uh, the two guys that we, we couldn't get any traction with were Moses and Andrew Tony. Andrew Tony's still not, not come back into the family here. And, um, and so I called my good friend, Fred Whitfield, who runs the Hornets. He set me up with Moses um, at his hoop tee, his, runs this uh, charity event. And he sat me next to him for four hours. And he's like, look, all I can do is I, I'll give you the entree. And because um, and, we wanted to retire his jersey. And he's like, no. And I said, I just don't understand why you won't have your, retire- your jersey retired. He said, well, it's not fair to all the people that worked with me. And so we came up with that night that we were going to stitch every name of every player he ever played with on the outside of the, uh, of the banner. And then he died like four months later. Wow. And so then I was trapped and my marketing guy's like, we got to do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. We, have, we need some time to pass. And then we need to speak with the family. I, I would have killed to, to have uh, read the book that you wrote on Moses because he was wonderful and smart, had a great business mind. And obviously is one of the great rebounders and dominant big men of all time. But great. I, I love your lesson. Even though Chad didn't like it, I know he's a seven time author. I loved your lesson. Listen, I think that this is proving why you're so popular on panels. It's also proving why <laughs> I'm not popular with the people on my team. I thought Matt's answer, uh, I think you basically got the whole book in Matt's answer. <laughs> so I don't think there's anything left to read. Scott, and while your story is lovely, give me your answer. Okay, two quick stories, because I don't want to be wordy. One, and they're both related, and they'll both say the same thing. One, I was pretty good basketball player in high school. I went to Villanova. I worked out with the team. And Raleigh Massimino was the coach and they took walk-ons at the time. And so they kept two of us to practice with the team. I ended up getting cut another story for another day, but after the football season, they brought us football. Nonetheless, I am there and there's a drill. Raleigh would get mad. He would scream, play, play, screaming guy. And we had to stand there on the block while players, you know, ran at you and you take a charge. That was the drill. When things went bad, he's like, okay, on the block, you're taking a charge. That was the drill. Guys run full speed at you. And I'm little, I mean, I'm, I'm like 185 pounds now. Then I was like 155 pounds with so 30. I'm little now. And I was small. And I remember Doug West came and ran into me. And I felt like I was going to die. I'm six, six, big guy. And then Gary Massey came and jumped over me. Okay. And just kicked me in the face and dunked. <laughs> and my big lesson was, is that you need to find out what your lane is and what you can be world-class in. And you just spend their time there and not where you're not. My second basketball story, and I'm going to use another one and I may not win, but I'm going to win the, I'm going to win the points. We were playing pickup at the Knicks training, training center when I was the president there. And we happened to play with Patrick Ewing Jr., who was rehabbing his ankle. And we conned Alan Houston into playing just because I was talking so much shit in the office. And Alan Houston could barely move. And I told him that like 15 times when we were playing. Like, and I kept saying, because like, Pat was guarding him. I'm like, yeah, just get, he can't go by you. He can't even move. 
And Alan didn't say a word because he's the nicest man in the world. And he proceeded to just keep moving back. It was like just kept moving back and shooting jumpers. <laughs> and uh, it was very humbling once again. And my lesson there was keep your mouth shut when you're playing with extraordinary people. Look, Simon reminded everybody that they shouldn't poop their pants. And that's an important you know, lesson. You guys gave life lessons. Scott, you've got a whole book about life lessons. And Matt basically gave us a whole book in his life lesson. This is so hard. I think I'm going to give it to Scott because he gave us two lessons. You're, well, everyone's a guest and I usually root for Simon. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, but, but you, you did two things. One, Alan Houston is the only Nick I ever liked because I hate the Knicks being from Chicago. Two, you had Moses Malone, who uh, my, favorite foot, my favorite basketball team, my favorite sports team of all time are the 83 Sixers. I love Villanova and Raleigh Massimino because I love that 85 team. So I'm giving it to you. Let's go. There you go. Uh, all right. Let's go to the next. Here we go. The devil is in the details. Our esteemed guest, Scott O'Neill, is the CEO of the New Jersey Devils. So in this podcast's time-honored tradition of pandering, I will now test your knowledge of all things devils. Here we go. Scott. <laughs> In 1985, Ridley Scott directed a dark fantasy adventure film entitled Legend. Actor Tim Curry received raved reviews for his portrayal of the Lord of Darkness and the film's makeup work was Oscar nominated. Unfortunately, the film was a financial flop, which was crazy considering the film starred this legendary leading man two years after he starred in the football movie All the Right Moves and five years before he'd be named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. All the Right Moves, which by the way, takes place in the state of Pennsylvania. It is Rob Lowe. Tom Cruise. Close. Ah! Close. Close. Matt, among college football's Power Five conferences, there are two programs with the word devils in their name. For one point each, name them. Duke Blue Devils. Demon Deacons. Wake Forest Demon Deacons. That doesn't quite have the phrase devil in it. We were looking for the literal use of the phrase. Arizona State. Sun Devils. Oh, uh, that's Correct. right. The Sun Devils. Scott's not getting credit. Matt, I was hoping it was you, if that counts for anything. Simon, this Looney Tunes character was a staple of tacky 1990s sports apparel. Oh, is that the whole question? <laughs> you say it again? This Looney Tunes character was a staple of tacky... 1990s sports apparel. Tasmanian devil. Scott, the standard center of a deviled egg is egg yolk mixed with mayonnaise, pickle relish, vinegar, and this condiment. Paprika. Dijon mustard. (laughs) Man, you are falling apart. Matt Moore. This up-tempo bluegrass song <laughs> peaked at number three on the Billboard charts in 1979. This doesn't seem fair. The highest in history for a song about a high-stakes fiddle contest. The, the devil went down to Georgia. Went down to Georgia. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. Wow. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Heard that song all the time growing up. I feel like, you know what? I want to give you two points for that. Matt Mitchell, give him two points for that because it was a bad clue and he still got it. Simon, arguably the most famous daredevil of all time. This man unsuccessfully attempted a mile long jump 
of Idaho's Snake River Canyon in 1974? Evil Knievel. Very nice. Well, well done. done. Well done. On the speed round. Here we go. This is the prompt. We're getting back to creativity. In popular culture, the devil is often portrayed as a deft but ruthless negotiator and deal maker. But the same can be said for some of the top front office executives in pro sports. <laughs> if you had to bet, oh God, uh, on one current pro sports executive to get the better of the devil himself in a negotiation, who would you choose? Scott, you cannot choose yourself. Matt, you are up first. You want pander? I'm going to pander, but it's actually also my answer. It's Daryl Morey. It's absolutely Daryl Morey. The deal that he pulled with Tracy McGrady to the Knicks, getting James Harden, then getting value in every deal that he made throughout that time, the, the level, and also just having talked to Daryl about his approach to negotiating. Like there were players that played great and so many executives make the mistake of getting emotionally attached to their players, which there's ups and downs to both sides of that equation, but he did such a good job of never overpaying for players that were role players and then committing to the players that were really worth it. Daryl got leverage on, on every talking to other NBA executives. Stole them. Like, look, I mean, it's easy to get up here. Everybody knows where the real town is, but when you bring TJ McConnell into this league, Um, go get me a little Robert Covington, a little sprinkle, a little cove cove on you, you know, or find a, Isaiah Cannon to drop a cannonball on you. You know, my money's on Sam Hickey. I don't feel like you are answering the spirit of the question, which is, <laughs> was he a great negotiator? Is he yes, the guy he who would get the- We had on a, on a four-year men deal. Yeah, we, he, he invented the four-year men deal. Okay. All right, Simon. So I feel like this guy is the least talked about GM ever. And he's by go. far the greatest GM ever. And that's Theo Epstein. The guy literally turned Boston into winners and they went to Chicago. The Cubs, the Cubs won a World Series. People forget the Cubs actually won a World Series. So if I was going to send, if the devil had to negotiate with someone, I'd send Theo because he'll have all the numbers and everything he needs to get the best deal out of the devil. Holy crap. I think, I think there's three great ones. I think Matt hit it on the nail on the head when he said, like, all three of these guys are emotionless. All three of these guys, like, discount relationships. And that's hard. I think that's the hardest thing. I think all three of these guys have in common. I think Matt hit the ball, hit the nail on the head. Listen, thanks, Scott. I love Daryl Morey. I think he's a total genius. And I think uh, the way he won in Houston and now the way this Sixers team is advancing, which is an entirely different style of play, a style of play that Daryl, you know, you could argue when he was in Houston was pioneering sort of the the idea of efficiency around three-pointers and having a different style of play in Philly. Love him. Great. Sam Hinkie, huge fan. Feel like he does not get nearly enough credit. Obviously, it becomes sort of mocked for the process um, and not getting to sort of see how that team develops over time. But come on, guys. Simon wins this round. Like Theo Epstein what he did in Boston, what he did in Chicago as a Cubs fan, as a guy who across from my current view, I'm looking at a W flag and my ticket from the world series in 2016. He found Talk a about way to pandering pander. to your audience. He found a way to pander and shameless Simon is shameless, shameless, totally shameless. Matt Mitchell. What point. is our score right now? Right now, Matt Moore has three points. Scott O'Neill has two points. Is it possible that Simon has four, Scott has two, and Matt has three? This is amazing. <laughs> I'm still going to lose, though. That's the worst part. 
But I feel like I'm in last, but have a lot of momentum. You do. You have a lot of momentum. I feel like you have a lot of goodwill more than anything. All right, here we go. Part three, Philly's finest. The city of Philadelphia has long been known for its diehard sports fans and is now becoming a booming market for diehard sports gamblers as well. So let's check your knowledge regarding the city of brotherly love. Scott, whether you choose to see it as sad or beautiful, one of Philadelphia's most beloved icons is Rocky Balboa, the entirely fictional boxer portrayed by Sylvester Stallone. The original Rocky and its many sequels are ingrained in pop culture, including the popularization of this nickname, Rocky's equestrian-inspired ringside moniker. Italian stallion. Very nice. I mean, look, this is too easy. Well, you need a little help. You're in last place right now. (laughs) Simon, this franchise boasts two championships and the longest tenure in all of professional athletics. They've sported the same name in the same city since the late 1800s. The Phillies. Boom. Matt, in the 2001 NBA Finals, two teams met unexpectedly. While this Western Conference team was plus 180 to win it all that season, the underdog opponent was 9-1 to just to win the Eastern Conference. Name the combatants in the 2001 NBA Finals. Lakers, Sixers. Nice. As someone whose son will soon be living in the fighting city of Philadelphia, I'm a huge, huge fan of the city. Great, 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 Chad. Here we go. Here's the <laughs> Is that a question, Chad? Congrats I to you, thought, Chad. Congrats I to you, Chad. I thought it was well thought out, but I was... I just need the second part to really engage. I didn't have anything else there. My kid's going to Drexel in the fall. That's kind of it. I'm just excited for him. Congrats on raising a child. Uh, Here we go. With enough, this is the prompt. With enough drama, a team can win a championship and watch its players elevate from beloved athletes to long-term municipal heroes. Oh, this is good. Imagine you could dramatically win a championship for any team and assume your goal is to become a city's beloved adopted son held in the highest esteem for generations to come. What team would you select? In what dramatic way would you win a championship? And in what way would you take advantage? For example, to clear it all up, Matt Mitchell, our producer, uh, he scores all five of the Buffalo Bills touchdowns in a Super Bowl victory, plus the 60-yard game-winning field goal as time expires. He take advantage of this by having the American side of Niagara Falls renamed in his honor. So at least it's nothing too grandiose. Matt Moore, you're up, brother. Detroit Lions, overtime kickoff return. They name a truck after me. <laughs> the Matt Truck. Today, Dan Campbell, new coach of the Detroit Lions, showed up to his press conference wearing an F1 helmet because he is the Grand Marshal of Detroit Grand Prix. Scott, your answer. I am the goalie for the Leafs. Uh, We go 4-4-4, just like Moses predicted. Uh, But in Toronto, they rename Scotiabank Arena the Scottsdale Bank Arena. (laughs) That is great. Wow, those are two loser franchises, and you guys are coming through in a big, big way. Simon, you're up. Can't compete. Yeah, they were too good. Uh, I was just going to go with, like, the Jets, and I basically was going to go quarterback, but now the more I think about it, I think I would go D-end. The quarterback and the other team would in the Super Bowl be running with the ball, they're running his offensive lineman's butt, and they'll fumble. I'll scoop it up. I'll run in for a touchdown, and it'll be the reverse of the butt fumble. I'll save the Jets' history. 
I think it's funny that very inadvertently you pooped in your pants playing football in the first round and in the third round, you're winning a game involving the tushy. The butt fumble, man. It's all I, when I think of the Jets now, I don't think of name with anymore. All I think of is the butt fumble. It's, it's, a, it's a dark days for the Jets. Let me tell you something. Scott's going to win this round. The idea of getting an arena, the being in goal, which is the most exciting position to play in the most exciting playoffs in all of sports, uh, and it being the Leafs, which their tragedy for the playoffs is becoming comical and also a meme of international proportions because it's spreading from Canada to the U.S. Here we go into the final round. The score, Matt Moore, you have four. Scott O'Neill, you have four. Simon Hunter, you have five. I know exactly how this is going to go. Okay? Okay? The topic in the grand finale is NBA anthems. First, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Very high tech. Hold up your fingers with your wager amount. So Scott and Matt, you can each wager up to four points. Simon, you will wager up to five points. Here we go. All right. In the 1970s, the Philadelphia 76ers commissioned a theme song entitled Here Come the Sixers, which became a favorite in the city and was played frequently enough through their run to the NBA championship in 1983. The song fell out of favor for decades, but was recently resuscitated thanks in part to our guest and author of Be Where Your Feet Are, 76ers CEO Scott O'Neill, and can now be heard in the arena after home victories. One of the song's writers drew inspiration for the song's catchy rhythm and simple lyrics from this classic children's show. After watching an episode with his daughter on the local public broadcasting station, what is the classic children's show that inspired the song's rhythm and lyrics? Scott O'Neill, author, sports executive, you are up first. Okay, How I'm not you- sure of this, but my, my instincts are telling, my gut is telling me it's Sesame Street. How much did you wager? Four. He went all in. He is correct. Boom! Scott O'Neill now has eight points. Wow. Matt Moore, Matt Moore, what is your answer? Uh, I said reading rainbow. Oh, no. How many points did you wager, Matt Moore? Oh, no. Now Matt has zero points. <laughs> that, 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 that. That, but you pushed them all in, which I appreciate. You followed your own advice after whiffing on Moses Malone. You went all in. You shot your shot. Like Moses Malone, it didn't work out. Simon <laughs> Hunter, 
you are up next. This is stressing me out, and I'm not sure why. But I'm, I'm feeling like competitive juices are flowing. I'll tell you right it's now, it's right. the chance to be the champion of the Thunderdome. Yeah. Climb and so Hunter. let me break down the fourth wall here. Chad says he's trying to help me. I have yet to win this show. We've been doing it now for about four months. I have yet to win. I come in here every Thursday and I lose. And man, it feels good because this question, like you said, what was it? 1979. So yeah, 21 yeah. years before 70s. I was born. It was in the 70s, for sure. <laughs> Sesame Street. Sesame Street. I got it. I risked all five points. I finally won this wow. Thunderdome. All oh. I wanted to do was yell, welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Dude, Simon Hunter. I'm blasting Tupac as we speak. California. <laughs> oh, my God. I am so excited for you. I'm sad for Scott because I feel like he he really played well. And you know, all our learning, though, happens when we fail. That's true. And you know what? We Sometimes said it at the top of the show. Failure is not always a fun teacher. But in this case, I think you can argue it was. <laughs> it was a very fun teacher. Simon Hunter, congratulations on your first win in the Thunderdome. Scott hey. O'Neill, the book is Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. Congrats on the book. That's super exciting to write a book. It is super exciting to have it published. You are now a author unparalleled and executive unparalleled well done i appreciate uh, it i'd love to have any of y'all want to come down to a game let me know love to have you matt moore action network senior writer analyst extraordinaire you are on everything we do and you are so appreciated and valued by me <laughs> and everybody in the action network universe i'm sorry this one didn't work out but you will have other chances i'll get him next time Scott, listen, I got to take my kid to Drexel. I'll come down. We'll go to Vetri. We'll see you again. Ooh, I would love it. It'll be fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. Simon, you can come too. You're in the area. Thank you. Uh, this has been the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Download it on Apple Podcasts from Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Before we sign off, here is a word from our fearless leader, Action Network CEO, Philadelphia native, Patrick Keene. They say I'm the American dream. Wait a minute. I'd like to explain something. Uh, you know, I ain't punchy. I got what you call like, I don't know, a relaxed brain, but I ain't punchy. You know, it's just the way I talk here. All right. Again, this has been the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. My thanks to our guests, Scott O'Neill, Matt Moore, Simon Hunter. Be sure to check out Scott O'Neill's new book, Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. Again, it's available now. As a reminder, the volume is now on YouTube. We've got new clips and interviews from all the network's shows. Subscribe to the volume YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and download and listen on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday on The Favorites. Love you. Love you.